working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everyone, I'm Zach Albetta, and you're listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my conversation is with Paris-based drummer, producer, and educator Mathieu Gramoli. He is best known for touring and recording with the band Her, and is becoming more and more active as a producer and artist developer. We have exciting news on the Patreon front. We are now offering exclusive educational content provided by some of our former guests, including Peter Erskine and Ben Caesar. This is going to take a few different forms, from videos to PDFs, and we'll be adding to it each month. Our first installment just went up. Ben Caesar was kind enough to kick things off by providing us with his guide to more efficient, productive, and fun practice sessions. I think we could all use that. We always say every donation in any amount is appreciated, and to prove it, we're making this content available to anyone and everyone who donates. That means as little as $1 a month gets you access to this exclusive monthly content. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at workingdrummer.net or on Facebook and Instagram. Share pics and videos of your gigs on Instagram using the hashtag workingdrummer, and we'll be featuring those in our stories. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube, and leave us a rating and review on those platforms. This helps new listeners find us. So it was lucky how this interview came about. I have recently made the acquaintance of a fantastic musician named Desmond Myers, who recently moved to Atlanta. Before coming here, Desmond lived in Paris and played with Mathieu in the band Her. So Desmond recently brought Mathieu to the U.S. to do some recording and gigging in Atlanta and L.A. and was able to hook us up for an interview. And I'm so glad it worked out because Mathieu is a really smart and kind dude who knows a lot of music really well and talks really insightfully about it uh, in his second language, no less. So hope you enjoy this. Here's Mathieu Grimoli. Desmond and I met in France because I'm from Paris. Yeah. And we used to play uh, in a band called Her, but it's not H point He point R. It's right. another Her. Right. But uh, it became very successful and and um, and uh, in Europe and we've been touring three times in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And um, Desmond came in the band because one of the singer was sick, couldn't play, so um, he, he was really like. You know, saving us, and he was a really great guy uh, mm-hmm. as a person and as a musician. And um, then he left because he, he wanted to live uh, in Atlanta with his wife. And and I told him, like I called him maybe one year ago. Okay, Des, I want uh, no before he leave. Mm-hmm. Um, um, before he left, sorry. Uh, like I'm gonna come and visit you. And he said, Yeah, okay, for sure. Yeah, you know, but right. not imagining that I would do it like. Um, so quick, and then I call him back in maybe three, three or four months ago and say, I'm going to come yeah. in spring. And that's for sure. I say, yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> then I call I'll him two, when I two see months it. ago. And, um, you know, the um, uh, this band, her, was really like a, a big, huge, huge experience for me because um, I've been working in this drum business for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. But it was like... Uh, 
really a band and we play together and all around the world i mean except that asia we have, haven't been there but like in all europe stuff right. uh, until uh, russia moscow whatever turkey and great we've been doing great festivals and it was my first time uh, touring in the u.s and i was like like it really changed my life because Uh, by the way, I, I'm American. I have got a bad accent, a French accent, because my mother never talked to me in English when I was a child. But she's from uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, your mother is yeah, American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And she's like um, living in, in Paris for like uh, uh, from maybe 40 years now. Yeah. And so you have dual citizenship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that like you're you're in New York all the time. Yeah, I've been and there many times. I, I was going to ask you what brings you there, but like that's holidays and when I was, uh, you know, right. uh, maybe when 12 years old, my parents uh, took us to because I've got two brothers, we we were visiting um, California and Yosemite National Parks and San Diego and all that stuff. Yeah. San Francisco, just a little bit. But uh, to me, as a child and um, how do you say, adolescent, when, when you're not adolescent, uh, yeah, 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 adolescent teenager, teenager, it was like amazing. You know, I, I had my cousin, cousin, and um, uh, bringing me to see like uh, watch uh, movies and in the everything was bigger. And when you're a child or uh, teenagers, like even more, much bigger. You know, right. so I was really impressed, and it was like uh, half of my you know family and something was missing so every time i came here like every f four or five years you know uh, to, uh, to visit and have good times i was like really impressed and i enjoyed it a lot and then i met my stuff in um, in france i studied a lot but i never thought i could uh, go to berkeley or whatever because mm -hmm. i thought it was you know too far and too complicated right. and now it's really uh, i'm really grateful that i can play sometimes in, in the u.s and yeah. uh, we've played like in rough trade in uh, central park in uh, san francisco in seattle uh, crocodile stuff um, yeah where kurt cobain played well, like, with with her yeah so with like her. that yeah. band has brought yeah. you back here so frequently and what is magic is yeah. that um uh as her stopped you know forever we were we we played in denit like in february two months ago it was sold out it was mm -hmm. really like big show it's like maybe six thousand seven thousand people just coming for us it was really a big big stuff and then it's totally stopped so I had nothing to do but I'm and for the first time I, I had no other projects coming on you know uh -huh. uh, because for 15 years I always had many bands like you do yeah. you have many stuff coming and when something is getting bigger you go right. with it and I had nothing so I said I, I want to produce my stuff and make my, my own music uh -huh. at least for a year I, I let myself do it for one year So this is the year. Yeah, this is the year. And then I called this and said, "Okay, let's do it." And um, because I want it to be um, international, I want to. I, I don't want to have any barrier or f f um, limits. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, and as a matter of fact, he found a gig in LA and called me back and said, "Wow, well, okay, well, I've talked with my wife and we'll be pleased to welcome you at our house. But in the same time, if you agree, we could play at this place. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember the name of the place. Well, in, uh, LA. in, in LA oh. on 27th um, uh, of April, we're going to play them. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> the name. I'm so bad at it. We'll think of it. Yeah. We'll think of it. Yeah. So I was, I was reading a little bit about the band Her. Yeah. And as I understand it, so like, have you been involved in the band from the beginning? Yeah. Uh, um, 
the band is um, was mainly uh, Simon and um, Victor, mm -hmm. and there were two of them, and they all already had a band before in Rennes, which mm -hmm. is uh, like 300 kilometers from Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, a really good town for rock music and pop music. And it collapsed. They, br they broke up. And then they met this new band, and they played with the former drummer that like for two times and then I then I came in so uh, I'm like from the beginning but not exactly from the beginning okay and one of the founding members passed away in was it 2017 yeah so after that like this this record that just uh, that you just released mm -hmm. is kind of like you you finished the record yeah with to kind of close the chapter yeah. of the band and you played your last show in February yeah, yeah, yeah. and now that project yeah. is and done. we brought it up And we were happy with that. And I think uh, uh, Victor had promised Simon to finish the stuff. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was really painful but because you can uh, imagine as um, a musician and everybody listening yeah. to us, you're a musician and then you have to mix the voice of your friend yeah. that has passed away like three months ago. Wow. It's like really yeah. more than, you know, it's like watching when somebody died and watching a video of him on, right. on the screen. It's like... Wow, it's really painful. So, so that was really complicated. But then we went on tour, and um, and people were waiting for us. And I think uh, I can say in a humble way, really humble way, that we were good on stage. So mm -hmm. it was getting bigger and bigger each time we were playing. And um, and then it's good to f finish with a little success. So yeah. it's not it's not bad, and then we don't we don't go on and take the profit on something that could be weird. You know, it's like right. It's like the the band's last album and the band's last tour is just kind of a tribute. Yeah. To your friend. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Successful tribute. It's yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Not to go on like, and yeah, it was cool. And what kind of music is that? Is that band? It's um. It's like you know, singing. Uh, the Simon and, um, and Victor were singing in English, and uh -huh. it's like soul music, but in a French way. Yeah. Because I, I used to play pads like a normal kit, but with a SPDS, mm -hmm. and um, it was a really simple drums part. It does seem kind of like minimalist. It's yeah. like soulful and funky, but but, but very yeah. stripped down. Like. Yeah, Simon was really like. He wanted to it to be simple, and um, it was a fun. I, I learned a lot with this band about producing because we used to rehearse a lot and then record everything, and then Simon uh, would pick everything out until the song is not working anymore. Mm. So, you know, it, it was it used to work, yeah, be groovy, whatever. But let's pick uh, how this uh, percussion stuff, this synth stuff, uh, the bass is too complicated. Right. And when it's not enough, then you stay. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. We have to. Yeah. And people used to ask me like, because I used to play like more complicated stuff before uh, from the jazz scene or Brazilian stuff or hip hop stuff. Yeah. And uh, people, I mean, some people ask me like, is it not too simple? Are you not getting bored mm -hmm. playing that? But it's, it's not that simple because if you make one mistake, one mistake, you can hear it louder than when you play real fast and yeah. you mess things up. It's like really a challenge to me. Yeah, I, I found it like it take. It's a different challenge. It's a different um, level of, of concentration to play super simple stuff. Yeah, really consistently and, and really well. Um, And it like it it reminds me of all the classical training I did, you know, playing in orchestra or whatever. Yeah. I remember my uh, professor of mine saying like, you know, if you're playing crash cymbals in an orchestra and you have one note 
in one movement. Yeah. Like if yours is the pinnacle note for the whole thing. He was like, if you screw up that note, <laughs> you've missed a hundred percent of your notes. That's yeah. like a violinist missing ten thousand notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Um, so yeah, just the importance of like one clean sound or just a repetitive, simple thing um, is a is a cool challenge. So you mentioned like jazz, hip hop, Brazilian. You've you've studied all these. You've played all these. It was, um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I studied in Paris in a really good school that, that's called um, CMDL, it's the Didier Lockwood violin player, mm-hmm. uh, and um, he was a really good jazz uh, violin player, so he's got this aura, you know, this uh, a way of um, some people from Brazil or uh, Austria or whatever in the world, even the U.S., came to study violin with him. So uh-huh. I, I met a guy from uh, Sao Paulo, and then I, I, um, he introduced me. Like It was my roommate. So I, I began to play. I was 24 in uh, Brazilian gigs in Paris for no reason, just right. like that. It's life. And then I've been touring for seven years with them. It was really joyful, like really uh, entertaining and we've been recording in Brazil, Sao Paulo and uh, wow. I was able to to discover Rio and even um, Bahia and yeah. Salvador and all these rhythms from be- from beyond, uh, from uh, inside, you know, from yeah. the Brazilian way of thinking. It's it's such a deep scene and I've I've never been to Brazil but my uh, my mentor in graduate school in Kansas City was yeah. a guy named Doug Allwater who is a Brazilian master, just been there dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of times and, and, you know, wrote a book about yeah. Brazilian styles. Um, and, you know, I kind of scratched the surface with him. I, yeah, I, yeah. Learned, I learned the, you know, the bossa nova, the partido mm. alto, the samba, all that mm. stuff. But, you know, reading his book and studying with him, um, I learned a bit about just how many different uh, types of music the term Brazilian mm-hmm covers like we, we use the term latin yeah exactly you know? um and that's i mean that can be anywhere in the world practically but if you just focus on brazilian music it's like people think of stan getz mm. and Jao gilberto yeah, yeah. Like, like a couple big guys but like, like you said if you go to bahia you go to salvador mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you go to rio it's mm-hmm. just all different um or, did you have like um brazilian drummers that you like dove into um edu ribeiro Mm-hmm. It's crazy, and <laughs> yeah. um, the fact is, it it was um, I made a, like a choice in my career. I was playing with this band. It was I was doing well, uh, um, and I was even sometime uh, being the sub from new emergent band who couldn't bring uh, from the jazz scene like uh, Hamilton de Holanda at the beginning. He couldn't bring his whole team and I was making the sub. Right. And one, once it, it was crazy, I was in a Parisian studio, you know. It was really a lot of pressure because I only got one rehearsal and Marcio Baia was there, the drummer from Hermeto Pascual and so much great musician. Yeah. Just giving me advice like so polite so shiny charismatic <laughs> person and said yeah that's cool that's very cool yeah. play this way and softer this way this comes from Frevo uh, it's not the same way that Samba whatever and, and, and I was like what is happening with me right that is, it's so amazing about Brazilian drumming like when it comes to the drum set especially because it like each part like you know your, your kick part or whatever <laughs> has a history it's like it was played on this instrument mm-hmm. in this region with these exactly. kind of songs and it's it's kind of like evolved 
through the and years onto drum set. And you can a little bit compare it with the U.S. because it's so huge. So when you come from the south, it's not the same that coming from the north right. and from the east side and the west side. So, uh, of course, they, not, they don't have the east and west side, but it's like from north and south is really dif- uh, different. Mm-hmm. From Sao Paulo, it's really uh, urban and mixed. Uh, Rio, of course, it's samba, and Salvador is ashe music, which is something different. And then you go in the middle of the territory, it's Minas Gerais, where Milton Nascimento is coming, and the harmony is really compl- uh, sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. And, well... It's, That's the other thing about yeah. a lot of Brazilian music. The harmony is just, yeah. like, so slick yeah. and and complicated and just really, like, slithery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um and so, and did you play jazz like on the scene in 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 Paris? Yeah, but uh, uh, I've been studying it a lot. But it's what uh, I don't know. I've, I've made like few records and not a lot of stuff. And I really played in Brazilian stuff, and then I realized that I wouldn't never record Brazilian music because they were doing it in Brazil, and right. then they were playing in the uh, European uh, scene. So I, I, I told myself like, let's stop doing this. Because I, I, I want to record music, I want to you know, uh, leave, uh, leave something, even yeah. if it's humble, but just leave like, like, like I did with her or with the other stuff project that yeah. I have. A portfolio. And yeah, yeah, something like you, when you pass away, it's, it's there. And yeah. it's just bring something to the, to the music world, like, mm-hmm. but being humble. And then it happened that uh, I, I learned like hip hop stuff mm-hmm. because I was playing with a guy who is uh, really famous now in France. It's called Gael Fay, and uh, he's rapping in uh, French. And then he, this guy showed me how hip hop worked and what were the you know five stuff from hip hop like the MC, the dancer, the genre, right, yeah, yeah. right, and the scratch and. The, um, Writing the graffiti and everything, and uh, I said, "Wow, this is uh, incredible!" And then I came to Jedila's music, and I really like fell in love with Questlove's music and mm-hmm. Jedila, and it was really like really exciting because the way it was grooving and you know, the way it was played and resampled and everything is like really musical stuff, and I really enjoyed it and. I already I started to curate like um, you know a lot of um, snare drums and uh, I never sell my kit. I always keep it. So yeah. I got five or four or five kits. Right. And, you know I love stuff. I started to study uh, compression and preamps and buy stuff mm-hmm. and um, and I've got the, like a cool home studio in in Paris. Yeah. And I started to record stuff and to produce things just to emulate like. Jelly Life, you can emulate him, but just trying to, yeah, or Questlove, you know, uh, these beats on the roots are really amazing, and I right. started to, t- because I lo- I love the way it sounded acoustic, and uh, like you could play, and I thought like this could be interesting to to bring in in France and to be able to to record drums and sound in a way like, yeah. like you wanted to sound, not being just a session musician you know right right and then it happened that i came with her and it was a totally different uh, a style but every time you i think you know that like you've been learning uh, latin music or brazilian it helps you even play some hip-hop if you want be skilled on the hi-hat yeah. or whatever it's useful in i was gonna say like you know jazz everybody associates the term swing mm-hmm. with jazz music um but you know if you listen to uh Afro-Cuban music or Brazilian music or hip-hop or whatever, like, they each have their own swing, mm-hmm. 
exactly. if you want to use that term. It's just like an inflection, kind of an aesthetic, a feel. So, I mean, they each, if you can get inside the swing of, of each of those um, genres, mm. um, it really it really opens up your vocabulary. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, there's the, the, the swing of, of a lot of Brazilian music and the swing of some hip-hop is yeah. similar. Yeah, it yeah. has this kind of, like, it's not straight, it's not dotted, it's, yeah. like, very lopsided. Like, yeah, yeah like in of. between, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And it's not jazz swing mm-hmm. either. It's mm-hmm. more of, like, a languid, it, like, it reminds me of talking. It reminds me of the rhythm of talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did you, did you see, like, the parallels between those... Um, inflections or those yeah yeah um, yeah 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 exactly and i think it's like in a way like um how um, what's his name uh, famous uh, drummer that i love so much um steve jordan yeah. talked about rock and roll mm-hmm. and there's on, on youtube you can see him talking in a small club uh, he's really excited about it <laughs> I think he's like whoa. Yeah, uh, he's, he's talking about the push and pull, uh-huh. you know, and the rock and roll. And when the piano player is like pl- playing straight, then the drummer is playing daughter notes, and yep. and you can reverse it, and mm-hmm. that's what make rock and roll. And I think it's the same for for Brazilian stuff. If everybody plays that, it's cool. But if there's not some somebody under playing more straights, yeah, everybody will play. It's too much. Like it's really a mix of everything. And for hip hop, it's like I feel it's my way of thinking that you've got a, something's wrong. Something is not in in place. But as you loop it, it's like make it the truth and yeah. it becomes the truth. And when like um. I don't know why I was uh, maybe on a tutorial about live, and somebody um, uh, took the temple of cold sweat, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like it's like the most groovy stuff you, you can ever have on the fucking funky drum beat. Right, but it's not it's not tight. It's like uh, two of the last uh, snares are too late. One bass drum is too late, and the beginning is right on time. Yeah, and then you put it like this, and then it's it's like. Perfect, and that's a great lesson I, I learned because when I was younger, I wanted it to be everything like in perfect place, right on but, the grid. Yeah, on the grid, but it's like boring to me. I, I mean, I was boring, and uh, at least like it's, it's cool. It's okay. I, I, I fucked that up, so let's bring it back and do it. But something's not human, and it's mm-hmm. not so 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 cool. And I think the um, talent of like Jadila, for example, who, who to me is a genius, is to find the good mistakes that every time, every time you put a bit on, uh, on, on, it's like you've got your head banging. It's like right, yeah, so, right. So there's always to 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 come back to your questions. Yeah, there's always a like a push and pull stuff that you have to find. To make it sound good, it's like mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's like in France, you've got these bat- batucadas, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be to miss like to be disrespectful, but something sometimes they, they sound like on the contrary, uh, like not on the one but on the two. You know, when you're in the Brazilian, in Brazil, it's obvious it's this way, and when you're in France. You can hear from, you know, you're in a festival and you can hear the batukida is it's like something wrong, but you know, don't know yeah. why. I had the same experience in New Orleans um, where, like, the, the first time I went to New Orleans, all the street bands and all the drummers 
and even like the the sousaphone players put like heavy beats on four. Yeah. Right. Because, like, you know, if you think of the second line beat, yeah, you yeah. think, you know, you feel like a heavy one on one. Yeah, yeah. They put it on four. So they were th- they were going like, yeah, like, it took me a minute to to figure out, like, oh, I've I've been wrong. Okay. And everybody I've been listening to in other cities has been wrong. Because in New Orleans, like, they put it on the four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, it's it's so interesting to get inside like types of music at their source. Yeah, because exactly. like what what you think it is, how it's been portrayed in a book, or yeah, exactly. how it's been played by you know people who are well-meaning but not like native to yeah. that music. Um, it's often not quite right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> You went to um, two different conservatories, right? Yeah. For like college and grad school. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I, 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 I've done, uh, I've studied like languages. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I read. <laughs> right, I read that. So you like you studied foreign languages for. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I, I appreciate you speaking such good English. So, uh, that, no, so that we could do this. So good. It, it reminded me of there's a movie called L.A. Story with Steve Martin and his character. Like uh, this woman wants to interview him for an article. And and he says, oh sure, uh, English, French, or Italian. And she says, do you speak all those languages? He says, no. If it were French or Italian, I'd be out of it. <laughs> so that's that's how I feel. Thank you, thank, thank you. you so much for doing this. Um, so you you studied foreign languages for two years. That yeah. was kind of your first college. Because uh, to tell the truth, I didn't assume that I wanted to be a drummer. Yeah, it's like I'm not from a musician family, and I love my family. Everything's fine, but uh, I wasn't like you know pretty confident. Mm-hmm. So uh, when did you start playing? Like very late, like when I was fifteen. Okay, so by the time you're ready for college, like this yeah. is still kind of a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And um, like I was, I used to put uh, every lessons on three days and and do you know it's a university, so it's lighter. The programs is a bit lighter, mm-hmm. and then work uh, uh, really hard on the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. My father was getting crazy because I would play all Sunday long. <laughs> But anyways, that's how I, I made it. And then I I had attended like two schools. One is CMDL, we, we talked about already, and the other is CNSM. But I, I didn't do the whole course. I was really happy to get it there because it's like a, a competition, a concours yeah. in French, I don't know mm-hmm. what to say. The best are, are like, dropped. Uh, by audition? Yeah, audition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was really like, wow, okay, they took me. I was yeah. And then I went to Brazil, and then I told them that I won't be there for one month and a half. As they said, you have to choose, and I choose playing and Got visiting yeah. my friend in that country. So, but it was really interesting too. Mm-hmm. At CMDL, it was two year, really intense every day, in ten hours, like playing with friends and having roommates and listen to all kind of music, and with a really good musician coming from all over the places to teach us right like you, you've got your um, uh, reference uh, teacher on Monday on Tuesday you play in uh, 
workshops from mm -hmm. a style for uh, two months, then you change, like, could be Brazilian stuff, then jazz stuff, then uh, big band, or whatever. Right. And then on Thursday, you had somebody coming from from uh, all over the place, and it was a carte blanche, so he could do whatever he wanted. So right. I, I had listened with Karim Diziad, which is a Franco-Algerian, I think he's Algerian, but uh, whatever, he plays um, Maghreb music so well, so like, mm -hmm. crazy, or Mokhtar Samba, and there are African players, like, wow, and you, I learned so much, because in France, in Paris, you've got a lot of uh, African scene, you know? Yeah, really yeah. And, and I think in general, uh, music in Europe gets a lot more influence from the Middle East, mm. from North Africa, um, and even from Asia, just because yeah. of proximity. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. there's, there's some of that here, um, but you know, our, our influence is definitely, I think, more from Latin countries, yeah. just stuff that we're adjoined to geographically. Um, so the 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 conservatory you went to was it kind of on the model of of Berkeley where like yeah, you but smaller it's like right. was four, forty students okay and I got a friend uh, Ricardo Hertz uh, the guy who was playing violin who is still playing uh, he has a great career in Brazil he's a Brazilian guy and um, he's been to Berkeley before and then he came to to visit and learn with uh, Didier Lockwood and he told me that um, Berkeley is amazing. But it's huge. Mm -hmm. Like it's really cool, good, good, good uh, scholarship. It's really good teaching. I mean, mm -hmm. but uh, he told me that you stay with because there are many Brazilian who stay with the Brazilian and uh, another people will stay. You know, it's like um, everybody has his community. It's so huge that you don't mix so well. And right. in that that place, it was audition too to get in. You know, and um, we were only forty. It's like eight by each instrument. So. Wow. So drums, you have one drums. Brazilian, there is one guy from Paris, one guy from the south of France, one guy from Austria, and two guys from the north, I don't know, whatever, you know. Wow. So you mix and you're obliged to... to so it's just five instruments at the school? Yeah, yeah, like basically. Like drums, drums uh, bass, guitar, keys... And uh, horns. And horns. Yeah. So eight... Now it must be much bigger because it was the beginning of the, you know, the second or third week of the school. It's a brand new school. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was really like small uh, stuff. Wow! In the same place, like a sm little small castle. Uh, from <laughs> of course, it's in a castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a little castle, but like a big house, and right, right. like a manoir, you know, it's like maybe. And uh, it was really fun. And uh, he told me that he could ask a lot uh, to the teacher because uh, you only, and even in, uh, in classes we were four because we were two two years class. Mm -hmm. So first year we were four, and second year we were. Yeah, yeah. And who is who is your teacher there? Um, your drum teacher. Uh, drum teacher is André Charlier. He's worked uh, on the how do you say variété? How do you say that? The what now? Uh, variété mainstream stuff. You know, uh -huh. he used to play with Moran, a great singer, and uh, then he played a lot of jazz. Jazz was his really you know, uh, what he liked a lot. Yeah, like yeah. New Orleans stuff, and right. it was really interesting the swing stuff. Yeah, and so like. Was there kind of a, um, a curriculum that he developed, like you have to go through A, B, C, D, E, or, or was it more tailored to each student, like you showed no, up? No, no, it was like, more like that, you, know, you should learn that. He's been studying in L.A., mm -hmm. in, uh, I'm not sure if it's MIT, but it's like, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he's been lucky to see uh, Jeff Pokarova in the 80s show 
him how to play the shuffle, which was right. wow. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. He, he knew about the right and lead stuff and all the American way of of, uh, of playing drums. And mm -hmm. by the way, I, I, I really want to say that to, to me, like, of course, America is a place uh, for playing drums and is and all the drummers are, are like really crazy. And I'm no, really, I'm really, you know, and and every kind of. Uh, of style, you know, you, you've got like it's coming from there. Like I know you play like drums in college, and yeah. we we don't do that. We we do a lot of cool stuff, but we and every drummer, American drummer, know the rudiments. So yeah, else, like, yeah, like from, from Steve, high school, yeah, yeah, from marching yeah. band or drum corps is like a, an avenue. Stuff, yeah, it's yeah. like so, and that was interesting for for me because it was a lot cheaper, of course, than Berkeley or MIT or whatever. That yeah, he had studied there and could tell us. Okay, I've been two years there. It was like that, and I want to show you did this and that and that and that and like the systems, the way you improvise with right and lead, and then you you go on mm -hmm. further in the systems was really new to me at that time. Mm -hmm. I was coming from a small uh, conservatory, small school, and, and I, I didn't know much about that. How can uh, I don't know the fusion player? Like Kalayuda or uh, at that time Davik or whatever could play so long around a kid, and I used to you know um, hear and try to pick every note, but it was just I should have picked the way they were thinking the phrase. Right. They, they were just only thinking a melodic, um, a rhythmic melody, sorry, in the head, and then play around it. Yeah. And Andre showed me that, like how to improvise around a melodic idea, a rhythmic melodic idea. You know? Yeah, and I think I mean. One of the many problems with, <laughs> like, I guess, uh, you know, kind of drumming pop culture, mm -mm. whether it's in magazines or social media or whatever, is that so many drummers, especially young students, focus on the notation. Mm -hmm. Like, each individual yeah. note, I'm going to transcribe this lick, I'm going to mm -hmm. do this thing, I'm going to pull off this little feat, and they don't think enough about the musical phrase, like the overarching musical yeah, yeah. phrase that all those little notes or that little coordination is a part of. Mm -mm -mm. Um, or if they learn some complicated groove, it's like, what kind of song can this groove serve? <laughs> yeah. They just stop at the groove. They're like, yeah. well, I did that. Yeah. Now I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it sounds like your your teacher was focused more on, on those bigger yeah, ideas. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Not the lick, yeah. the phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why it's really interesting. Um, And when you got out of school, so you basically left school yeah. to start to be touring with yeah. these Brazilian cats mm -hmm. and all that. Um, and has it been like a lot of touring off and on since then, or do you mainly stay in Paris? I know I've been touring. Uh, I was I've always lived sorry in Paris, mm -hmm. in the suburb of Paris. But um, I've been touring like a lot, a lot in Europe with because at that time Brazilian music was really cool in Europe. Like, wow, let's have a festival. Even in um, the jazz scene, you've got a Latin part uh, because in France and uh, all Europe, you've got a lot, a lot of festivals. So yeah, let's have a bit Brazilian band, and we are like a little bit uh, cool, famous, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So wow, let's do it. And um, I, I could play in a lot of festivals. I was I, I had always many projects. So when it, we were we weren't on tour, I was playing with a French singer or some of some jazz stuff. Right, I, right. I had my own project. So this is what I'm curious about. Like there, you know, there are some drummers in L.A. or Nashville or New York who, um, you know, they tour a lot, they record a lot, they're working mm -hmm. their asses off, but they're not. As a result, 
they're not very connected to the local scene of yeah. where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say that's true for you? Or No, 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 no. I was connected because we've got, like, I don't know, Paris is big, but it's not so big neither. It's like you've got clubs where you can play. You know, right. this club is cool, but it's a bit expensive, so I won't go there because I'm, I'm too young and I don't have enough money to buy the drinks, but I can go to this club, which is cooler and it's a bit wider and then I go back to the other club when somebody really famous like yeah, I want to see Chris Dave at that time I was into Glasper stuff and right. okay I'm gonna go to this club and sometimes they do the jam but really pre- pretty rare mm-hmm. but they we've got all this international scene so we can meet in small in some places and it's not so far you know we've got a lot of, of uh, metro and you can go and yeah and uh, until like uh, one hour in the morning and it's mm-hmm. cool so no I was always connected and always looking for a while with my friends and you know sometimes you are with this Brazilian band and then with this funk band and then and then you mix it up and uh, and you meet at this these places no I I, I know I, I used to know May, now with her I'm a bit disconnected de- yeah. right I've been touring a lot and uh, I've got to go back to these old places and just Hey, yo, I'm right. here. Right, face again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not dead. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> That's the thing now. Um, so as far as those places, like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of people who are listening to this who might find themselves on tour in Paris with a day off yeah. sometime soon. So, like, what, what are a few of the venues uh, okay. or the clubs or the institutions where you can um, go see some local... Oh, Paris, local stuff. Paris made Now music. I think there is La Gare. La Gare, uh, I've not been there. I have to. Uh, where I can see on Instagram that a lot of friends of mine and the new generation are playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be, and there is still, uh, Caveau des Ibliettes, which is free to get in and it's not expensive. And there's always a jam if you want to jam. Mm-hmm. And say, that, say that again one time slowly uh, sorry. so sorry, people sorry. have a yeah, chance yeah. to spell it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Caveau des Oubliettes. It's close to um, to Saint Michel. Okay. Okay. Uh, Notre uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, that's a whole whole (laughs) tragic story. And then you've got La La Rue des Lombards, which is the other side of the scene, uh, the river, and um, there are many uh, normal like. Jazz clubs like the Sunset and Duc des Lombards, where all mm-hmm. the international scene can come. Yeah. Then you've got the New Morning, which is much bigger, it's like maybe 300 or 500 people. Uh-huh. And, uh, for example, uh, Prince used to come and play in huge places, and then at two in the morning, he would go in the New Morning and play for crazy fans right, until six right. in the morning. Another three hours, yeah, yeah. it outlast <laughs> them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and. Um, uh, I told you Lagar. Lagar is a new place. I don't know it, but I know everybody's playing there, and mm-hmm. they, they they do like a residence, which means an artist is gonna come many times in a month. Right, right. Which is cool, I think. And as far as some of your favorite uh, drummers or some of your favorite bands in Paris, like if I'm, you know, if I have a night off in Paris, who should I who should I look out for? Who should I hit up? I don't know. Um, I love the the African scene. I, I mean, if you're coming from the US, which is what is really different, if you're lucky to get, it's like sometime near uh, the Zenith. It's like uh, the northern east part of Paris. There is a Cabaret Sauvage, and I know they used to play uh, Karim Ziad and go uh, to see him. It's like 
incredible the way he, he plays and it's not academic at all it's like um, music Berber Berber uh, you know is a tribe from the Maghreb mm -hmm. uh, from the mountains and everything I'm making things short okay don't trust yeah, yeah. me like I, I'm, I'm, it's like really <laughs> short way of things things but yeah. you have to go get in because if you were there I would say no it's not that simple but <laughs> yeah it's kind of way or Mokhtar Samba or all the African uh, players who, who I think are really present in Paris you know yeah on the jazz scene and um, the cats I don't know I don't know. I'm 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 really like more into uh, American music now. I listen to and UK stuff too, and you know I've been. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, and as far as your um like going back to when you started playing drums, mm -hmm. who are a few of the 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 drummers that you have just always modeled yourself after? Like who is your Mount Rushmore? Because um, I'm curious as to uh, whether it sounds like they're going to be Americans yeah. or, or British guys mostly, but are there, um, you know, French or European? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. A French guy who really uh, I love, I love, still love his way of playing is um, uh, Stéphane Huchard. Mm -hmm. He's really like playing really. He can play funk, uh, you know, um, like Edenster, uh, sorry stuff, you know, um, yeah. uh, jazz, uh, funky jazz opens way of playing. Mm -hmm. He can play swing really well. Really well. He can can play uh, French music too, and it's like really good. There is our best, one of the best, the greatest is uh, André Ciccarelli. I don't know if you know him, but I've like, heard that name. I think he's the greatest. He could have been even bigger because I think he, he doesn't want to take the plane so he's not he's never been touring but yeah. in the US but it's like oh, huge like I used to listen to him and he plays brushes like Hamilton uh, uh, you know like right. yeah like it's like Jeff Hamilton yeah, yeah. Like yeah the same level it's really crazy really and swings too so this is really French guys who are really amazing and uh, Mokhtar Samba and Karim Zad for me are like mm -hmm. wow they are living in Paris and they are woo Right. So when you were a teenager and like you would travel here to visit family, mm. um, when you first started playing, who were a couple of the drummers that you were just like, oh, my God, I have to do that? I uh, when I was really like, uh, I was like a lot into Nirvana. So uh -huh. I, I loved the uh, and I saw Dave Grohl uh, when they came on TV show in Paris and my, my TV never sounded as good <laughs> these days was really crazy you know it's really when the play it was it was all, all, already for in utero sorry mm -hmm. it wasn't for um, the, the first uh, album and um, he was crazy and I was like I wanted to be like a rock drummer uh -huh. then I went into this uh, James Brown stuff you know yeah. and um, Clyde Subberfield and and all the funky drummers And then I uh, wanted to be like a professional musician, so I, I thought to myself, I don't know if it's good, but I wanted to be like Vinnie Colaita, uh, kind of drummer, being able to play everything he can hear, like right. from, from Frank Zappa to Sting to whatever he can play from a big, uh, Buddy Rich big band. So I was like, okay, I, I've got to learn everything, coordination, stuff. And, and I was more like trying to emulate everybody, but yeah. maybe I lost a bit myself. It was cool because you get skills, But in a way, it was like many very generalist, you know, right. way of thinking. I think that's a process a lot of drummers go through, whether it's Vinny mm -hmm. or, or anybody else. Like they spend a period of time mm -hmm. just trying, just being a clone, mm -hmm. 
of of that player, and and hopefully you evolve beyond that, and kind of yeah. your your voice comes out of that. Yeah. Um, but um, and then now I, I can say, I can say that. Uh, then I discovered I knew Steve Gadd but I discovered his genius later on me too I was less impressing, impressed by him than by Vinny me but, too but then I said what and yeah. then Steve Jordan yeah what I, I know said, what? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm going through the exact same process because like in, in my younger years you know I never hated Gadd but yeah. I was just kind of like, what's the, what's the big deal? Because mm. I was I was into Vinny, I was into Carter Beaufort, and just like all yeah, this yeah, just muscular, yeah. badass shit. And and Steve Gadd just like doesn't really play a whole lot mm. in terms of chops, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the last like five or ten years, I've I've come around to be like, oh my god, there's no one better. <laughs> there's exactly. just no one better. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, and yeah, it was and Steve Jordan too. Like I I find myself just more and more uh gravitating to feel rather than content like yeah, when yeah. you when you feel just someone's mm-hmm. essence mm-hmm. on the drums like that's that's yeah. my shit now yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> um, evolving and like i i went through so you went through a period of just trying to do everything yeah, Vinny did fusion like stuff yeah. right right i went through this period of um uh bill stewart uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, Andre Charlier, my my former teacher, was really like a huge fan of Bill Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was a, wow. a full on Stewart clone for a good two years, probably in grad school. Um, yeah, it, it took and it took me a while to kind of find my own voice out of that. But um, so was it was it the Brazilian music and all that touring you were doing that that kind of got you beyond your your Vinny phase. Uh, or y- yeah, it's like getting you know more mature and trying to learn that a song is. Uh, you have to. We were talking about it like a few minutes ago. You have to serve the music and sing wider and not just the straight, uh, the simple stuff you have to play. It's like getting wiser. I mean, trying to be at least and serve the music more. And then you, you when you for example when you hear um, Steve Jordan talk, talking about rock and roll, mm-hmm. this is really. Um, you can feel that he feels the music and he knows about it. Like he can tell that it's push and pull and where it's coming from. And what, for example, how it happened, it's like jazz player. We were playing in rock and roll band, right. like uh, being the, these cool singers that, that were hype. And I think the guys were li- love to play jazz, but they were in the studio playing stuff that was passing on the radio and that was brand new and hype and then you've got the they're coming from this language and they try to apply it mm-hmm. and sometimes they maybe they, they want to play straight and they play it ordered like I think it's this 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 is coming like that and this is really um interesting so interesting so you have to know where it's coming from and at one point I realized that I knew a lot about uh, Brazilian stuff and then I didn't know that much about what I'm doing here. It's like when you are Atlanta, it's like I was jogging yesterday. It's Sunday. It's Easter. Right. So people are in the park, yeah. getting ready for charcoal, and then you've got a big trap song <laughs> out of the car, which is so typical. And I know it's coming from here, but you have to see it to realize it's 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 there. 
celebrating Easter and they are you've got huge trap music which can be associated to something from you know hip hop badass stuff right. and they really feel it in every corner right. so f and it's the same as you told me I would like I would love to go to New Orleans and you realize that it was this way they played mm -hmm. so it's always a question of getting more inside of the music and more, know more about the stuff and in the same time you know when you you play in bands Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you, you're not picked uh, up for uh, an audition, and mm -hmm. you, you wonder why. And you say, "Why? I, 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 you think you play a lot better than the other guy? And maybe it's true uh, with your skills. You're more on time, but the guy knows more about this pop song, this way the singer wants it to 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 add a feel or not add a feel. And it's right. crazy. Sometimes I had this huge uh, experience that you know, that I will never forget. And at that time, I wasn't happy. I was a little bit angry at the people who told me that. It was a singer. And she told me, stop it. It's too much groove. And I, I was pissed off. You know, I was young and I wanted to play well. And yeah. how can there be too much groove in a song? Like, Come on, let's <laughs> talk about it. But she was right. She didn't know how to tell me, but there was too much information. And even if it was, it was tight, it wasn't serving the song. And I was like... I was not, you know, I was young and I had no experience. And uh, now if it happens to me, I, I would say, okay, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, I think you're right. Or maybe, what do you mean? There, is there too much hi-hat? And try to speak with good words with people right. who don't know for, uh, exact your exact vocabulary, you know. Right. It's like me talking to a singer. I'm not a singer. I know about uh, playing uh, voice, uh, falsetto, whatever. I know this terms but sometimes I miss the words to say okay you should on this phrase go from uh, go from this voice then to the other it's like I'm not a singer so I don't right. know so you have to take care of things and that made me think okay playing like really efficiently and really fast and uh, is not the only thing you have mm -hmm. to go further down to the music and right and and you have to like you said if if you if you are told something mm -hmm. you know having having the humility or the curiosity or whatever it is to kind of like n not react offensively or not react neg exactly. negatively because like you said they don't they don't speak drum yeah no <laughs> like yeah. only drummers speak drum mm. so if if a, a singer or an md or somebody says there's too much groove yeah, yeah. like I, i think the the younger angrier you mm -hmm. took that as like what you're saying i'm too, <laughs> I'm too funky <laughs> I'm yeah. two in the pocket, yeah. like what? But, but, yeah. but that that could have meant anything. That yeah. could have meant like your hi hat is too active, yeah, yeah, or exactly. just you know. So just getting inside what people tell you um, can can really go a long way in in you know an audition or a rehearsal. And you know we've heard so many stories about auditions. Like there are a bunch of stories about auditions guys won or people won because they played something note for note. They just learned mm. it exactly mm. and like mm. delivered it, and the MD was like, "Yes, yeah. perfect." And we've heard just as many stories of exactly. the opposite, where like they came up with their own idea, uh, just something original, something yeah. different, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing! Let's yeah. do it!" You know. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like it's it's a crapshoot as yeah. to whether or not people are going to like you. <laughs> to, exactly. To, and to, that, to, when you start, it's not phrase. easy to to feel that confident about that, and you can feel depressed because you didn't got picked up and mm -hmm. it can happen three times and each time you're not picked up and so what's wrong so you have to think about it and when you feel more confidence like 
Oh, and I've been touring like for three years with a famous singer in France who is called Corneille. Mm -hmm. He had a huge hits and everything. He's really a cool guy. And for I was auditioned, and I think I knew it like two or three days before. And I wasn't really prepared, but I was lucky enough to have the good snare room. I learned after that my snare room, was, I was listening to Chris Dave at, at the time. It mm -hmm. was really high-pitched, really like that. And I played two songs, and he said, okay, it's him. And I knew that afterwards, of course. And then we went on, on tour for three years. We, uh, we were amazing, you know, uh, touring in tour bus and everything yeah. was, was fine. And uh, I didn't prepare that much. I, only, I had cheats on, on the floor looking what is the structure I'm supposed yeah. to play and it just enjoy my sound which you know and and the other drummer uh, were playing really good really good too I, I knew them right. and they were, they were good for the show as good as I was you mm -hmm. know it was a question of, of luck yeah, yeah a lot, oh yeah. And, and that snare drum you had yeah. like maybe they just dug that snare mm -hmm. drum sound yeah. and that, that factored into their decision and yeah. this is the guy and I think like the, the overall point is you know, it's it's so easy to to overthink mm. that kind of and and maybe over strategize and just be like, well, what what angle am I going to take? What are they looking for? Mm. You know, um, but I I think we're we're better off, we're better served, and we end up in in gigs that we're better suited for if we just go into it saying like, what what do I think is best? What is my inclination? What is my instinct for this music? Rather than trying to like. Yeah. strategize and triangulate about like what do they want how should I go exactly about and I've been doing that a long time and too much you know yeah. uh, it's not it wasn't easy for me to find this mm -hmm. and I can say just one example uh, on, the, on the other side for her uh, the bass player and the guitar player were, were leaving you know the band at the mid time because after Simon passed away it was too complicated mm -hmm. and we had to audition people and that's really funny but one of the guys we picked like, was Louis. He's great, great, great musician. He can sing, uh, stack his voices, you know, make chorus and play uh, piano and guitar. And he wasn't like really ready for, for it. And we auditioned like four or five guitarists before who maybe knew better the parts. But when he came, it was okay. Cool, that's cool, that's cool. Okay, that's cool. No, this is not exactly what we want because on the album it's supposed to sound like that, but the guys has the skills. And then we we pushed him a little bit further. Can you do the uh, chords, uh, back backing vocals on this song? Oh, was I, was I supposed to learn this? I don't know. No, no, just try. And then he, he did on the spot. And then, yeah. okay, this is the guy we, we want to play with because every time we will ask him something, he would be able to do it. That, right. That's, that's, right. It's really that simple, you know. It's like, yeah, and we, we get so wrapped up about, like, what, what, what am I going to do in this audition? Yeah. Um, like, in this five minutes that I have or whatever. But I, I think so often, not just band leaders or musical directors, but other, other musicians, you know, people that you collaborate with are, are more looking for, you know, what what is your general skill set? What is your general, uh, you know, willingness mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to just like jump in and, and try stuff rather than what did you put together mm. for this five minutes? Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by DrumSellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free. And the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at drumsellers.com. You were here to uh, record some stuff with, with Desmond. Yeah. 
And he mentioned uh, before you got in town that he was like, you know, because Desmond, he's a singer, songwriter, mm-hmm. guitarist, keyboardist. It's like the only thing he doesn't do is <laughs> fucking drums. Um, so he was he was saying, like, I know absolutely nothing about recording drums and and Mathieu is gonna is gonna come here and mm-hmm. school me mm-hmm. uh, about recording some drums at my place. So what were like in addition to actually tracking and, and yeah. doing some songs, um, was there what did you cover with Desmond as far as setting him up to to kind of record some drums after you leave? Um, was it kind of a crash course in like the basics of home recording? It was like you know, it's like more a question of uh, to me. Like recording drums is is being confident about. It's like a, a chain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to get, have, of course, a pretty good drummer that can play pretty tight. Right. Then you've got a good drum sound, and then you got the good mics, and then you got the good preamp, and then you get all the mixing stuff that is really important. Mm-hmm. And um, I what he loved about. What I told him, I, I did. We didn't have like a listener a course or something, yeah, or a workshop. Just that we had a cheap, like average uh, kit, like stage uh, custom whatever Yamaha, right? That we rent from a guitar center, oh yeah, in Atlanta, <laughs> <laughs> and some mics that I brought, like like uh, Nodix Desis, pretty modern, but whatever, and two Rhodes NT5. That I want, I didn't want to to to. to uh, I wanted soft mics, you know, not really uh, a bit cheap mics because I it was in plane. I was like. I wasn't confident about what was going to happen, so I've got SM57. So we put like a one overhead mic, one SM57, one Audix in the drum kit, and I played really soft. Mm-hmm. And I learned from like Questlove. Uh, I was I mean, a stalker of a, the best stalker yeah. of Questlove, maybe yeah. in, in France, uh, that he, he's not playing loud at all on on the um, record stuff. He's yeah. like really playing soft and. Uh, um, uh, um, um, because of this you can put more uh, gain on your preamp Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the um, how do you say if you have like a Neve stuff or whatever you've got a gain plus the output you know mix Mm -hmm. so you can put a little down the output and make more gain which will make your uh, snare sound fatter and more aggressive or crunchy a bit but you can control like more gain less output or less gain more output Mm -hmm. if you want a more natural sound and then play yeah. It was like wow, and in 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 fact, it sounds really cool. Like mm-hmm. like I don't know if it's gonna be the death uh, definitive ultimate part, and right. maybe, uh, maybe I'm gonna redo it at my own studio. But still, it's good to hear. And what he misses is like good preamps. It's like only it's got a Scarlett uh, interface and it's good, but you can do this gain output stuff. It's mm-hmm. like a more complicated. But he, now he feels confident because he say he said he told me that. Wow, I, I love drummers who play soft, and it can sound so. I, I will look for uh, for for a drummer like that in, yeah. in Atlanta and do stuff really softly. Yeah, and, it's a great point because you know um, when you see pictures of studios or you see a drummer in a studio, a lot of the stuff on on social media or whatever, like you know, the bigger the room, the more opulent kind of the space. Uh, the more the more eyes it catches, and you know, playing big huge drums in a big room is is amazing but i think um what you're what you're talking about just playing because i mean you were in a room like this right it was just a converted bedroom yeah um nothing fancy but like 
I'm realizing as you're as you're saying this, like a great way to optimize that space is mm-hmm. just to explore like mm-hmm. all the soft, uh, the soft end of everything. Mm-hmm. Because then the like the room the room plays less of a role. Like yeah. if you're if you're close miking everything, playing soft, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty much just the sound of the drum. The room yeah. isn't as much of a factor. Yeah, um, and it's good to 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 recall in a huge place, of course, and a natural sound and a great change of uh, all the effects, like uh, even. But even you can play loud, like you know. Uh, I love uh, Josh Freeze. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like really crazy yeah. playing. I love this way. I, I I'm not like I can now. I can't play that. I'm not used to to uh, how would you say raise arms as yeah. as fast and as uh, high. But but um, in another way, if you you play with uh, Michael Kiwanuka, I don't know if he's famous here, but I saw like uh, say his name again, Michael Kiwanuka. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he, I saw like he's got a sound, uh, sound um, synchronized on a on a TV series that is going out loud like, with Nicole Kidman and everything. Yeah, you, you know this series. I can't remember the name of it, but he's doing well. I mean, mm-hmm. but I saw him uh, on, on on stage because we had the same stage with her and and his music is soulful music like soul music and you don't play really loud but still in a big room which makes and then you've got this huge space amount of space for the strings and and your drums is like backward in the mix you know right it's, it's really great and yeah. still you don't play loud yeah i mean actually if you play with nine inch nails or beyonce on stage or whatever of course right. you're gonna eat the drum it's yeah. good you have to do it if you don't do that you won't be picked up of mm-hmm. course but what i'm looking for like, as a, like my kind of music is like more uh, hip-hop stuff now so, so i noticed the same stuff. thing i noticed the same thing about bernard purdy yeah i've seen i've seen him play a couple times oh you're so lucky man yeah i know he, he comes to town like once a year to do a show with uh, the atl collective kevin Ooh. scott this bassist does james brown's funky christmas every year okay and and uh purdy comes in and, and does it so i've seen him a couple of times and it's the same thing like he doesn't play loud yeah. at all and he can be even in a big space you know they do it at, at uh buckhead theater which you know i mean you can probably get a thousand people in there mm. it's not a small room mm. but he's it's the same thing just like right on the surface of yeah. everything like and i saw that i was like he's he manages he's to fill up genius. the room like he knows yeah. how to Treat the mics. He knows, you know, and obviously you got to have a good sound guy for yeah. that. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah exactly. It it, it it makes me realize, like, uh, when you can, just you know, explore the softer side of everything because it it just brings um, for for your physical playing too. Like everything feels mm-hmm. more in control. Yeah, just a little more manageable. And exactly, there are times like my inclination is to play on the soft side as well, and on gigs where I have to play mm. loud mm. and I have to be swinging above my head. Mm. Um, you know, if I'm in a big space mm-hmm. with no mics or something, like I I feel way less in control. Yeah, yeah. and I'm trying to find more control at the high volume. Yeah, but this is cool too. Yeah. It's, Everything is good to learn, I, I think. But, yeah, yeah. But at the moment, uh, like it's. But but the point is, I, I wanted to to say that to this, like when you hear a uh, Questlove sound, you think it's huge and. But it's not. It's not. It's really like playing like this. Right. And you know, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but often he's making videos of him recording or when he had his book, mm-hmm. he wanted it to be illustrated or whatever. 
and uh, he's got his friend sound engineer working his ass off to make it sound <laughs> but this is, this, the, the place is smaller than your your room yeah and it's like there is a mic coming down from the uh, you know uh, roof and, yeah. and he used to play like a B-52, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the big one? Uh, uh, yeah, the, on, um, the, on the front kick. Um, mm-hmm. Not not behind, but in the front. And it, it takes two. It takes a timber. Uh, how do you say the, um, this? Oh, the snares? Uh, the snares, but this yeah. part, you know, mm-hmm. bottom. Just here. And he's got two. Um, he's got the kick and this. Plus, of course, uh, one for the one here and one behind. Uh-huh. But this is what makes everything dirty. <laughs> we, already when you you just have to put uh, on the feathers and it's already something is going wrong you know and, yeah and then, uh, <laughs> you've got all these sound engineers and, and of course it's not alone but it's like genius so and now when I'm recording in my studio I've got a mic uh, amp that I put here mm-hmm. I mean you know I've got a stand and it comes here so I don't I don't get bothered. Just right over the kick. Yeah, and and it takes this side and this, and it's dirty. Yeah. And then you you, you put some compression on it. It's like parallel compression. And then all the uh, of a sudden the drums sounds more tight. Like it's, yeah, it's not separate. So it's kind of like it's it's right above like your kick beater. Yeah. So it's getting like the batter side of the kick head yeah. and the snare side of the snare. Yeah. That's cool. And it's really weird. But when you had <laughs> it like it's cool. And then of course you you have a parallel compression on the other head, but also also this and this is really raw yeah i mean if you want to some something like hip-hop or soul but uh, yeah if it's whole you, you push it down if it's hip-hop you push it harder you know yeah it's like everything is like right like, like that but right. just you add it a little bit it doesn't sound too clean you know this and you, like you just mix that mic in yeah that's yeah, yeah. not your yeah, primary yeah. no 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 like no, you, no of yeah. course not and and then you 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 put some compression on it and but a boost like in a bus and then you had it like a sauce that makes it cool. <laughs> and I leave saw it, uh, leave it to the French guy to talk about the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. I'm super into cooking. I love food. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love it. Um, so you you said that like this this year is kind of post her yeah. for you to just kind of take time and do projects you want to do. So you you came to Atlanta. You're playing with Desmond. What what else are you gonna do for the rest of the year? Um, I'm gonna play jazz with a friend of mine because he called me and I had no gigs and I said yeah and the music is great first of all and uh, but it will uh, ask me a lot of work <laughs> to go back to my skills yeah, and man. improvise yeah but it's really cool music and uh, speaking of foreign languages man like that that jazz yeah. vocabulary exactly. will will leave you yeah, if yeah. you don't use it exactly i played nothing but jazz in kansas city for like 7 years yeah. and and it's been less and less since then mm-hmm. and now every time i play jazz i'm like oh man it's, <laughs> it's not there anymore <laughs> yeah i'm a bit afraid of that but uh, and i'm working with a french singer in, in france um it's like a debut ep she's already ep sorry she's playing in um, a band which is pretty cool in france and mm. she wants to do stuff so and you're doing a bit of producing right yeah yeah kind i want to produce like, for her yeah 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 and um i want to be help you know on the with her uh, because she she sings very well but for the r- lyrics and the accent uh, I want it to be like perfect and mm. so I can ask this and you know and I'm su- I want to to how do you say re- um 
How do you say when uh, you put on a, an, an album, on an EP? It's a release? Release. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. release my EP of my own stuff, like maybe I hope in December uh, 2019, I mean this year. I want mm -hmm. to finish like four or five songs that I can be proud of and say, okay, this is my work and what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Still producing other people. But I want... Uh, what I, what happened with her that is like um, I really played my music it was her music but I really enjoyed it and embra embraced it yeah and I, now I, I would like to stay in that kind of feeling you know mm -hmm. um, playing only stuff that I really enjoy from beginning to the end right so right. I'm trying to do my stuff and work with people I, I love and yeah. stay in that area. My wife and I were having this conversation last night about how, like, I, as as a drummer, as a musician, I'm not uh, a creator. Like, okay. I, I don't, I've done some arranging, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't write original songs, I don't write lyrics, I, you know, um, but my creative muscle is mm. exercised when I'm in a situation, like you said, with people I mm. love who are badasses, mm. And a, a project that, you know, I don't have to be the leader of the yeah. project. I don't want to be the leader mm. of the project. But, you know, being being part of something that you have some input, mm. you take some ownership of it, um, is um, something uh, that I, I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and it sounds really like important. it sounds like her was was that for you. And, and you're you're kind of setting yourself up to yeah. find that next thing that you're going to exactly. be able to play Exactly, and role. I learn a lot about the processing, pro, uh, the creating process, sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I, I realize now, and I've been uh, reading, like, for example, uh, Questlove Creative, Creative Quest, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, speaking, because I'm really into it, like, I want to feel confident about creating stuff and uh, feeling like uh, I can do it as well as the other did it. Like w because you and I, you, we know that we are drummers. We are like the, the goalkeeper of the band. Right. You know, we, we don't uh, often score goals, yeah. but we have to be there. If we are not there, the the band collapses and there is no music. But yeah. we are not in front. We are not the guy who will, will put every goal, and it's not our job. So mm -hmm. we are. Used to say okay, everything fine. I I I think can take care of the defense, and you you go scoring. You you try to do your stuff, and I'm I'm here. Dad is here to make the band sound good, right. and you know you have to to feel like in a different way when you want to score a goal and to feel the opportunity to 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 catch the ball and 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 mark or should you give the ball to somebody else at the right. end for him to score which is a total different different attitude to have yeah. so i'm feeling like that I, i want to feel confident so i've been looking around myself and and people around me and i, I i've really been playing with great players great singers great writers great uh, top liners and um, they never do it all by themselves right. so I thought to myself let's do it I won't be the guy who has the last word okay this is a bit this is uh, the mix uh, we want to have like more room less room more reverb uh, some kind of out, out of tune stuff oh no it's got, it's got to be really mainstream whatever I want to choose that but I have to to you know to, to build it with people like this like other guys who could help me like guy who know how to mix Okay, I can record a drum pretty well, but right. if I want this kind of mix at of that period, like in the 90s, the 2000 mm -hmm. uh, sound engineer, we say, okay, this is the kind of reverb you need. This is what, and I need people to to get involved in it. So I won't do it all by myself, but I think I can do 
it and have my name on it. It's my project. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you can, you know, you don't have to be the leader of something to, like, lean into the, the skills you have and, and have a voice in it. Um, mm-hmm. I interviewed a, a, a guy recently who said, if, if all you do is play drums then all you can do is, like, wait for the phone to ring, right? Because people will call you to play drums. Exactly. But if that's all you do, like, it's it's kind of limiting as far as what kind of opportunities yeah. you're going to get or how useful you're yeah. going to be to other people. Mm. So if you can find ways to be useful to them, if they're, like, if they're thinking about a project or a song... And you know exactly. whether it's whether it's the skills you have mm. as a as an engineer or mm. just kind of the ideas that you generate as as an artist as mm. a listener of music, um, you know another another pair of ears to have in the room, another brain to like bounce ideas off of. Exactly, being useful in that way, I think, um, you know, really opens up a lot of cool stuff rather yeah. than just like I play drums. Call me when you need somebody yeah, to play yeah. drums. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And when I um, I've, was lucky enough to have some uh, workshop with uh, Andrew Sheps and Joe Ciccarelli, who are really great, great, great sound engineers. Like Andrew Sheps uh, work with Michael Jackson and whatever, and Beyonce or whatever. I don't know. It's yeah. Like, uh, this curriculum it is right. like, uh, as long as that. But we were her, the band, uh, like the... Kobai, you know, how do you say that in, in English? When you, you're, they study on you. You're like a little mouse. You, you, you put the test on <laughs> right. it. We, we were right. the, this kind of mouse. <laughs> we were the band who was supposed to play our song, but in front of Andrew Shapes, and there were like uh, 15 or 20 uh, sound engineers looking you at the, You were the guinea pig. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but we were all really confident. Our sound was cool. And what, what I learned about this experience, when the both uh, experience, is like the guy, know, uh, Joe Shekali and uh, Andrew, they know a lot about the music business. They know a lot about the gears. They know a lot about the music. Mm-hmm. And they directly uh, speak to the musicians in their terms mm-hmm. and they drive it smoothly and really nicely they never you never feel like you can play stuff or whatever is always pushing to have more right. but re- in a really subtle way mm-hmm. and at, at the end is making choices and what we all do is making choices mm-hmm. that's all at a certain point of course you have to know how to play drums you know how to play drums I know right. how to play drums but at the end it's making choices yeah do I have to play or do I have to play simple do I want this sound to sound big do I want to to record in a big room do like if I I were to like uh, I had the opportunity to produce like Michael Kimanuka and I, I have to know what he wants and how to get that sound and what is his story of that sound the soul music and okay you're gonna record string mm-hmm. if everything sound here and you've got a string in the back it's gonna sound weird so it's a whole process of making choice and ma- being confident and the more you work the more you've got experience and the more like Andrew or is masters they you feel relaxed and when you are in right. the same room you know it's gonna happen yeah. I don't know why right it's gonna happen right and and last thing is that maybe their mix won't fit the song because you're a band like her we, we had an identity and maybe they will miss it because it was really uh, fast you know they had to, to mix on the spot mm-hmm. and everything but this is wasn't exactly what we were doing uh, wanting as a sound um, you know mixed sound mm-hmm. but what was really important is what they did like, okay could you play maybe two times this verse or softer the first verse and then we come back to the chorus and you know the way they arrange stuff real quick and have a, some kind of a 
uh, view but from from behind, you know, yeah. from from far away. You know, yeah. it's like really important. And they are still our genius, but I think we all can do something with our music with uh, with that in in mind. Like, okay, yeah. I think one of the one of the things keeping music human is is what you said choices mm -hmm. because you know uh, just electronicization and mm -hmm. digitalization mm -hmm. is just so pervasive mm -hmm. in music but like the ability to make choices a human being mm -hmm. making a choice in a moment yeah. is something that a loop or Ableton yeah. or whatever like it will never be able to do no. um, so that's I think the more <laughs> the more we can do that the more human music will will remain yeah i hope yeah <laughs> but it's really important and like um i think using live is not being less human until uh, as long as you make that choice right I mean, imagine jadila with live I, i don't i don't think it was there when it was you know on his mpc mm -hmm. uh, it was already computers but it was really the beginning he would do the same he would wait for his hand to bang and to have the best you know drum parts weird play stuff you know like mm -hmm. wow so it's still him yeah with another tool that is maybe more efficient at, right at the time it's 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 still a tool that's used to execute a human choice exactly yeah. exactly yeah well like the first time the beastie boys used to record the mpc on the other way you know they, mm -hmm. instead of making it was right it was like wow let's do it i think there was just hanging around and using technology but just in a fun way to make music and it became a hit okay but you should start beatboxing i'm gonna sample this whole interview like you just spat out a bunch of cool shit over the hour that was great uh well cool man thank you thank you for talking with me thank you for making time on your on your trip here yeah it was great talking to you Thanks again to Mathieu. I feel we just scratched the surface in terms of the many types of music he's done deep dives into, uh, but I really dug hanging out with him and getting to know him a little bit. Once again, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a like and a follow on YouTube. Give us a rating and review on iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher. And of course, keep in touch with us. It's always good to hear from you all out there. Next week, Matthew Krauss will be talking with Harry McCarthy and John Hull of Drum Paradise Nashville. They'll be coming to you from Drum Paradise discussing all things drum teching. So hope you check that out. And as always, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.